Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. Remember, tomorrow, Thursday, April 25th, from 6 to 8 at Whiskey 6 in Gross Point, we're going to host a Smart Politics Happy Hour. Nancy Derringer from Deadline Detroit and Sandra Swoboda from Great Lakes Now are going to join me as you lead the conversation about the issues that are on your mind. What things matter most to you. You're going to tell us, and then we're going to take your concerns north with us to Mackinac Island for the Mackinac Policy Conference at the end of May. And we will put those questions that you have to the elected officials and policymakers who are gathered there. It's going to be a really good time. You can come out and have a drink and have a good conversation with us about the things that are going through your mind about our city and our state and our region. Uh, mark your calendar tomorrow, April 25th, Thursday, from 6 to 8 at Whiskey 6. I will see you there. Uh, if you're anything like me, you had a deep sorrow and a pang in your gut as you watched footage of Notre Dame Cathedral burning in Paris last week. And if you were watching social media at the time, you saw how widespread and deep the sense of profound loss was, as people all over the world were sharing photos of the times they had visited that place. But why? What is it about a building that's made of stone and wood, however old, that connects so many of us on a basic level? Today we're going to talk about Notre Dame, the damage there, and about other sacred and or historical places, and what it means to all of us when those places are lost or severely damaged. A little later, we're going to talk about the terrorist church bombings that have been taking place in Louisiana, and we're going to talk about the loss of one of the few log cabins that was left here in Detroit. Both of those are also examples of people really connecting with physical place. But first, let's start with Notre Dame. We all saw the fire unfold there last week, and the response around the world was overwhelming. Here to tell us a little more about why we connect that way with places like Notre Dame is Father Gilbert Sangera. He is an associate professor of architecture at the University of Detroit. Mercy, Father Gilbert, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. So let's start with your reaction to what we saw last week. What was going through your mind as you saw Notre Dame burning? Well, I would say I had a, a visceral feeling in my gut. My sister had texted me. I was uh, sitting on an architectural jury at school. This is where the students present their final projects. And we were in the middle of it. And all of a sudden, I looked down and saw this text message and then uh, noticed during the break, people were going quickly to their phones, looking at those images, especially at that point, the spires were collapsing and and noticing how people were reacting, which really surprised me a bit. Uh, a number of our students, even though we're Catholic Jesuit University, Jesuit Mercy University, um, a number of the students aren't necessarily practicing Catholics, but they were feeling this tremendous sense of loss. And even coming up to me, and almost as if a family member of mine, knowing that I'm a Catholic priest, uh, you know, had just died, and I was uh, struck by it. Um, my undergraduate degree was in environmental psychology, so how people react, respond to the built environment. And uh, I found it quite uh, moving because there was a palpable sense. It wasn't necessarily an intellectual sense about why it was significant, but it was just this loss that um, it represented. And I think part of it is the human endeavor, right? There's a, there's a sense of beauty that um, the arts promoted at Notre Dame. There's a sense of history 
uh, of anointing of kings, of royalty, the French Revolution, um, you know, uh, Jean of Arc, you know, all of these people who uh, frequented this building. Uh, and I think that loss was part of what was um, going up in flames and people just really reacting to it and realizing a part of them has just disappeared. Uh, so it, it was quite moving. Yeah. I, and it, to be honest with you, it surprised me because uh, I didn't expect that. I thought, um, especially in France right now, um, with, with a growing sense of secularism, some of the church's self-inflicted wounds over the sexual abuse scandal that people would have just really felt um, that this wasn't significant. Oh, or even right now with the Yellow Jackets um, issues going on, the protests, mm-hmm. you know, the, this sense that this place represents a certain uh, level of, um, I mean, it's egalitarian in the sense that anyone's allowed to come into a church. So a prince or a pauper comes into church, they go to Mass, they get the same Eucharist, whether you're a prince or a pauper. So it's really kind of uh, a true sense of egalitarian, but it also is the resolution of the fine arts. Yeah. I mean, it is that blend in that one building, I think, of architecture and history that elevates to the level of art. I mean, I, I kept saying last week while I was watching that this is like watching a, a magnificent painting burn or a museum. I mean, uh, as much as it might have resonated for people who uh, are Catholic and, and had deep religious feelings about losing something of that nature, it, it, it's the loss of art. It is, it is a work of art in a way that's really important. Right, right. And art is a way of, of um, having a touch with the sacred, uh, in a way that doesn't require denominational response or dogma or anything else. It's just that search for beauty that somehow innate in ourselves as a drive for the beauty, for beautiful things to create things that uh, others could never imagine. Uh, it's always fun when I'm, I work, I do a national consulting service on sacred space and working uh, at one of our Jesuit high schools in California, one of the students, uh, when we asked them what a sacred space would be like, they said it would be a space where I could imagine a power greater than myself, which for a high school teenager is, mm. is pretty profound, yeah, I think, you is. know, yeah. and takes a lot because, you know, for, you know, they are self, you know, they're, uh, they see their import in the world in grand ways. So it's, <laughs> it's kind of beautiful to recognize that they're searching for something greater. And so these, these kinds of places strived in that way, um, and I think all our sacred spaces should do that. And I don't know if it's that easy for people, but but it would be so, ideal. So quickly tell us about the meaning of that cathedral for Catholics. Those of us who think of ourselves as Catholics have a different kind of relationship with places like Notre Dame. Right. I would say one of the things, what, what makes a, a church sacred really is the fact that people pray there. And because of that, uh, both in joy and typically in sorrow, there's a, a connectedness that I think we all have. You know, you see a pew, a kneeler, uh, you realize that people have prayed there in profound ways and it resonates with them uh, in a way that even a museum does. And I would say museums have become our kind of contemporary uh, sacred spaces, for lack of a better word. But um, but but that response of um, resonating with the pain, um, especially. 
And so whenever a church goes down, I think people just feel that sense that, oh my gosh, that's... And I just remember when I was a novice, a seminarian with the Jesuits, that's how our novice director always used to remind us, because these are holy grounds uh, because people have prayed here, um, because the sacraments became real here. So uh, I would say the fundamental part is that sense that we resonate with other people's pain. And then uh, mystery unfolds there. So for Catholics, that sense of the real presence coming into uh, existence right before us on the altar table becomes a moment of profound, uh, deep insight. Um, and then again, all the, the arts support that sense of entry into the mystery. So um, those elements really mm-hmm. become the strongest. Then again, this one, because it's such a civic um, element, you know, it was uh, Paris's great uh, cathedral. It was the site of kings and ordinations and, and stuff. I don't think in the United States we resonate with that as much because we don't uh, anoint uh, leadership and and royalty in quite the same way right yeah so that connectedness to government has never been part of the american psyche or imagination but we understand it you know we understand people get married there they take vows there you know uh, they bury their loved ones there so there's all of those kinds of strong connectedness but that sense that people make a promise before god occurs there so they understand that but uh, i think for the french especially the historical loss becomes much more significant. Uh, and for most Europeans, and I would say most that were colonized by France or any other European, they would recognize that that sense of it because it's part of their history as well, for good or for bad, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. it's both. But yeah. I was trying to think if there was any church in the United States that holds that power, and I, I can't really think of one. Yeah, not a church. I mean, I can think of buildings that, uh, if they were damaged or or lost in that way that we yeah. would relate to it. The, the Lincoln Memorial was the thing that uh, that came to my mind as I was watching Notre Dame. I thought, well, if that were ablaze in Washington, uh, I think people might feel some of the same things. They, yeah, you're right. And, you know, I was thinking of this, the U.S. Capitol because uh, right. people take the oath of office in front of it, you know, and, and that has that symbolic power. In a way, the White House doesn't, and, and it's burned in the past, yes. you know. Yes. Um, and I'm sure it was a tremendous sense of loss from a symbolic standpoint, but not that sense that, again, something happens there that um, is significant, yeah. you know. Yeah. My guest is Father Gilbert Sangera. He's an associate professor of architecture at the University of Detroit Mercy. We're talking about the idea of sacred spaces, buildings that we hold in really high emotional esteem, and what happens to us and to them when they are damaged or lost. What is that connection that we feel with these places? Why do we feel that connection with those places. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call and tell us if you've ever felt a profound sense of loss when a building was destroyed or badly damaged. What is it about certain physical structures that means so much to you? And why do you think we feel grief when these buildings are lost or damaged? And do you think maybe me, maybe are we making too much of these things when they happen? Do we sometimes put too much meaning into physical structures. Uh, As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Let's go. We've got already some folks on the phones uh, lined up here. 
Let's go to Paula in Detroit. Paula, what's on your mind? Good morning, Stephen. Thank Hi. you for mm-hmm. taking the call. I sure. appreciate your program. Thanks. Uh, I'm a Detroit resident. I was born and raised in Detroit. And about three years ago, I took a, some friends back to see my old neighborhood where St. Agnes Parish was mm-hmm. on the corner uh, right near LaSalle Gardens mm-hmm. and Rosa Parks. And I have never felt the kind of pain for something as when I saw that and stood there, yeah. where the church is closed, the whole building is just being allowed to decay and fall mm-hmm. apart. I don't understand why the diocese is even allowed to have that happen. <laughs> uh, but it's more than a building. It was the center of the Catholic community there. My parents were married there. All five of us were uh, baptized there. We went to school there and graduated. Um, it was a whole sense of strong community. Wow. And um, it, it is more than just a building. Yeah. And it is, I think, the emphasis on the community and where we came together as one uh, is part of what happens, let yeah. alone what it does to the whole neighborhood and seeing that. Sure. Paul, I, I really appreciate the call uh, and the memories. And, and it is that memory that, that is connecting you to that place, the memories you have uh, of that place, the memories you have of your family in that place. Uh, you know, I, I think that powers, uh, that feeling that you have, those emotions that you have. Um, uh, Father Gilbert, there's no question in this city that if you are a Catholic uh, or grew up Catholic here, Mm -hmm. uh, there are lots of places now, just as there are other kinds of places in the city that are, that are really struggling. Uh, Those old churches uh, are, are difficult, as Paula says, to, to look at or to take in as being as distressed as they are. Oh, I agree. I agree. I have to admit, I'm from the West Coast originally, born and raised, and and uh, the th- the thing that struck me when I first arrived to Detroit was all of these beautiful churches that were abandoned, and and I understand how that happened, but uh, they all have that emotional strike, and I've never uh, had a chance to go into a number of these, but but just seeing that, and I think part of it too, especially in Detroit. Uh, you know, this was an immigrant city. I mean, people came from all over the world, and you know, we understand the struggles of of immigrants when they come in. You know, they need to find a place where they can collectively have a sense of identity, and I think that's also embedded, especially in the churches in Detroit. Um, and I would say Detroit also its architecture is, uh, I would say, well built. which is good in one sense that you know things come back like the the. Um, uh, the symphony hall mm-hmm. or the opera house and and stuff because it was so well built and i would say like rome it it has these structures that have good bones that <laughs> you know they they become ruins well uh but they also have that emotional strike that really is hard mm-hmm. i've done a couple of funerals where uh, like uh from jesu we would go to um, one of the east side uh, cemeteries and that drive i would just find myself in tears thinking you know, this poor person saw Detroit in its heyday and then saw it decline and never had a chance to see it come back. And now that things are coming back, I have to admit there's part of me, it's almost like I guess they said Boston felt this way when they won the World Series after <laughs> what, 99 years or something that I didn't know how to handle seeing some of the buildings coming back in Detroit, especially downtown and midtown. Now, 
over on uh, the northwest corner where we are, it's still struggling and it's slowly coming back. But but that sense of loss yeah. and uh, yeah. you know, I think of it's all those very families. difficult. And it's it's churches, it's schools, it's houses. Yes. Uh, those ha- the houses where many of us lived as children and and seeing them in distress. I mean, there's just a lot of that. I, you know, in some respects, though, I think Detroit understands this in a way that uh, other places don't. Um, but they also recognize that things do rise again. And that we're seeing that spirit right now. And that's helpful for others. Uh, we had a group of uh, Jesuit uh, educators coming in and people were lamenting about their own situations at their universities. And then they realized that, oh, my God, you guys have survived through some really difficult <laughs> times. And it helps to, to know that people do rise from the ashes. Yeah, I mean, it we is our... stand in and keep going, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's go back to the phones here. Uh, Andy and Troy. Andy, welcome to Detroit today. Hello. Hey, how are you? Good. So um, this reminds me a lot of the Rotunda burning, the, Go- the Ford Rotunda. Mm-hmm. Mm. It was in Dearborn. It this is in the early down. 60s, right? Right. It, it was um, just before Christmas in 1962. And uh, when you were a kid, that's what you did. You went to the rotunda, mm-hmm. and uh, they had big Christmas displays and uh, the the latest cars and all that. And uh, <laughs> it was it was the same circumstances too. It was people working on the roof that actually caught it on fire. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Andy, that's just a little bit before my time here in Detroit. I'm not born until the early '70s, but I have heard the stories and I've seen uh, some of the pictures of the rotunda burning and burned and mm-hmm. and it's always sort of reminded me of those those kinds of things i'm really glad that uh, that you have that memory and can share it with the listeners here because it's not something that i would remember or be able to talk about okay we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to continue this conversation about sacred spaces we're going to talk with the pastor of one of the louisiana churches that was set on fire recently stay with us and stay with us on the phones at in detroit jackie and huntington woods Harry and Pinkney, we will get to you next as well. If you want to join them on the phones, 313-577-1019 is the number. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. The outpouring of spiritual and especially financial support for Notre Dame Cathedral after it was burned was really profound, but it also came with a bit of a backlash. Here in America, three historically black churches were purposely set ablaze last month, and before Notre Dame, they hadn't really received the kind of recognition, or support that had lined up behind the church in France. Afterward, a GoFundMe campaign raised almost $2 million to help those Louisiana congregations. But the question remains, why and how do our sympathies take shape around these kinds of tragedies? Joining us now to continue the conversation about sacred spaces and loss is Reverend Gerald Toussaint. He is the pastor of Mount Pleasant Baptist Church in St. Landry Parish. It is one of the three historically black churches that was destroyed by fire after a string of arson attacks. Reverend Toussaint, welcome to Detroit Today. 
Okay, how y'all doing? Great. It's great to hear you. Uh, and we still have with us also Father Gilbert Sangara. He is an associate professor of architecture at the University of Detroit. Mercy. Uh, Reverend Toussaint, uh, let's start with you telling us what happened to your church. Well, well one morning I woke up and uh, we, I was on my way to Lafayette, Louisiana. My wife calls me and tells me the church is on fire. It's about 4 o'clock, 4.30 in the morning. And uh, come to find out, somebody purposely set fire to it. And what what was the? I mean, what was your reaction when that happened? Was this something that caught you completely by by surprise, or was the church? Yeah, it caught us by surprise. We yeah. uh, we didn't expect that. Yeah, no one expects that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so before the Notre Dame. Fire. Uh, tell us about what the financial response was when your church burned. Were you getting large well, we amounts getting, of donations? We were getting support. We were getting the support, but uh, after Notre Dame, then it started to kind of blow up. You know, uh, it, it started to uh, really go over mm-hmm. and uh, expand. But I, I guess it was uh, they felt that we were. We needed help too, because they have a tendency of forgetting about the little fella. Yeah, you know, the little right. churches. I mean, did you feel when this when this happened in that community? Talk about the response in the community. What was the what was? Oh, the... we had a great response in the, within the community. People sent their condolences and things, and uh, and they were they, they were just saying they were sorry to see something because it had been in the community for so long. Mm. Church is 145 years old. Wow! And they've been in this community for so long, then all of a sudden he's gone. And why was your church targeted? Can you tell us about the person? Well, who did they it? they they told us, which uh, we, we didn't know after. We just thought somebody was just doing some random burning of churches, but then they charged the the guy who allegedly did it with uh, hate crimes. Mm-hmm. It said that it had uh, something to do with uh, black metal, black metal music, and uh, that uh, he had a tie to it. So that's what it said. That's one of the reasons why it said because of the um, black metal music had something to do with when they play the music. They do. They, 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 they also at the same time they showed it sell burning churches. Mm. Wow. Wow. Um, you know, I wonder what you make of it being 2019. I mean, church church burnings, purposeful church burnings were a part of this country's history for a very long time. They go on from, from time to time in the racial context and, you know, people uh-huh. who are attacking black churches. Did you ever? Well, it had, yeah, go ahead. It had stopped for, oh, well, I'm 56 years old, mm. and it, it had you know, we didn't hear for this that kind of stuff for a long time. And then all of a sudden in this area of time, in this particular time that it starts again with uh, a, a young man, 20, 21 years old, wouldn't know anything about that kind of stuff. Hmm. But now, you you know, you see, I, I, I see this all the time. You, uh, you don't grow up, child don't grow up with, with racism. It has to be taught. 
you can have two kids play together, white and black, play together for a while. Then all of a sudden, the kid hates the other one. And you wonder why. Because somebody needs to fill the head with some stuff. Hmm. Um, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. My guests are Reverend Gerald Toussaint. He's the pastor of Mount Pleasant Baptist Church in St. Landry Parish. It's one of three historically black churches that was destroyed by fire in a string of arson attacks. Uh, we've also got Father Gilbert Sangara here. He's an associate professor of architecture at the University of Detroit Mercy, we are talking not only about those church burnings in Louisiana, but the idea of sacred spaces in general being under attack or lost or damaged and things that we feel when that happens. Why do we feel so strongly about buildings this way? As always, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call, 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. 1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Tammy on Facebook says, when Hudson's was taken down, many of my childhood memories come from taking buses there with my mom and my dad, picking us up after work in the city, the brass drinking fountains, elevator attendance, the magic that happened the day after Thanksgiving when it was transformed into Christmas stores like that don't exist anymore. Tammy, I also grew up here in the city of Detroit in the 70s and 80s and remember Hudson's really well uh, as well. Uh, and that was that kind of sacred space to us uh, here in the city of Detroit. Uh, let's go back to the phones here. Uh, Terry and Pinckney. Terry, welcome to Detroit today. Thank you. Can you hear me? I can. Go ahead. Okay. So I spent a year in, in France as an exchange student, and I was deeply saddened when I heard the news. I think it's the, the sense of permanence that you know is lost when something like this happens. But I was also deeply troubled because we have uh, our house is on fire in terms of the earth, as Greta Thunberg, the young Swedish student, keeps saying, and we're not paying attention to that. And I know it's not as dramatic as Notre Dame, but you know we're so complacent thinking that we're recycling and this and that, and the, the truth of the matter is that we're drowning in plastic and we don't realize it, and, you know, that's an equally urgent response. So everything we can do to cut down on our use of single-use plastic and, you know, reuse and all that stuff, because our house, in a bigger sense, is on fire. Mm. So yeah, that deeply troubles me that we're not paying attention to that. Terry, I really appreciate uh, the call and, and that idea. Uh, Father Gilbert, one of the things that I think is difficult here is perspective and and trying to strike the right perspective, I guess, or render the right perspective. I mean, I, I have said in the last week a couple of times that it, it should be possible for us to be very sad about something like Notre Dame without feeling guilty that that sadness is somehow not being extended uh, to, to other things. Or maybe it is, and it's just a matter of when we mourn things. I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with mourning the loss of something as important and uh, stately as Notre Dame, and it doesn't necessarily take away from the other things that we might be sad about. Well, and, and I think uh, grief, for example, is a good example, you know, is a way that people deal with issues, right? And hopefully what it does is it surfaces, a, again, I think a sense of compassion. I mean, 
the people who uh, upped the donations to these three churches in Louisiana, I, my understanding it was folks like Hillary Clinton and Jack Taper and uh, several others who just mentioned this. You know that um, you know it's it's wonderful to see the reaction to what was going on in Notre Dame, but you know we have these issues here at home, and I think a good politician does that. He helps. Uh, he or she helps gear us and direct our uh, pain and our anguish uh, or grief to ways that can change things. So uh, even to this caller's uh, notion that, you know, again, anytime we can tap into that visceral reality that, um, and I love the way she, she said it, you know, the home is burning, you know, that, that the reality is this, there are a lot of issues that need to be addressed. And I think, again, people step up in really creative ways. I, I was touched to hear about that. Uh, I think their donations went from something like 50000 to $2.1 million for mm-hmm. those three uh, churches in Louisiana. And I remember hearing that, and uh, we prayed for the churches down there when we heard it, the Jesuit community did, because uh, that's a, it's a tragedy at two levels. One is that uh, these were lost, these historic structures, but then also um, there were also an act of violence. You know, yes. it was basically a, a terrorist attack, um, and those have a, a different meaning. I think there uh, our grief and loss somehow gets subsumed by our anger, and then it shifts it. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to constantly keep coming back to uh, this sense where this one w- was most likely a loss because of. Uh, an accident. And mm-hmm. when bad things happen and you can't <laughs> shift the blame somewhere else, or at least uh, the anger, it makes it a little harder. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Reverend Tucson, I wonder if you can talk about maybe the anger that uh, people in your congregation feel about what happened to your church, uh, the anger that they may feel toward this person who did this uh, as a racist act. How are you? How are you managing that? Talking to me? Uh huh. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we uh, a lot of them were upset, but then uh, we being the church, we don't stay upset too long. But they really were upset, you know, with, with the the burning, and we tried to keep it from us because we still we still live in the community, you know. Mm-hmm. You can't keep it racial and just it's like that. You gotta be forgiven. And uh, truly, they are upset. We lost a lot. We lost, we lost a lot of memories. We had a lot of people get married in the church. We had a lot of people, uh, funerals and and stuff, babies christening, and all of those things. And they got the pictures, but they would like to have a building. But say, we just got to keep on moving on. You know, you can't let people. You can't get. Sometimes it's a scare tactic, and we can't let people. Get, get, make us afraid of going to our own worship service. Yeah. I, I, I assume that you're planning to rebuild your church? Yes, we're going to rebuild it. I, I, I'm looking forward to it because uh, it gets the people back into a sense of normalcy when you go, when they put them back into a building. It won't be the same building. But, uh, and we can't even duplicate it, duplicate it but uh, it's going to be, it's going to be all right. We're in the process of starting to rebuild. Hmm. Well, that's really that's really encouraging. Uh, let's go back to the phones here. Sandra in Pleasant Ridge. Sandra, welcome to Detroit Hi. today. Go ahead. Just a minute. Let me turn my phone down. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to comment that one of the newscasters made a brief comment that the fire in the cathedral was actually a metaphor 
for what has been happening in churches everywhere, including majority of Catholic churches, are empty on Sunday mornings, <laughs> as well as in Detroit. We know that, too, as we've seen some big historic churches that are in very sad state. I think of the strip mall over at 12 Mile in Southfield. Uh, it is a beautiful Catholic church. is closed. Several others have, and I noticed the big Presbyterian church on Ridge Road mm. has closed. The uh, big Baptist church in Hazel Park, Calvary Baptist, is really in dire straits with a very minimal congregation. It just seems people are getting rid of church life these days. Wow. Wow. That's a powerful image, Sandra. I really appreciate uh, your, your sharing that. Father Gilbert, what do you make of that, uh, that well, irony? <laughs> yeah, I, I, and I've heard those analogies before. I think historically, I mean, there's been ebbs and flows in church attendance, and, and the United States is always considered a very religious country. Um, it was ironic, I would say, I think it was earlier in the week, the Pew, um, uh, one of the Pew studies had indicated that there were now, I think, more that uh, identify themselves as nuns, N-O-N-E, than they do in a religious tradition. And that was a really kind of an awakening call, I think, for a lot of folks. Uh, But I do think um, people are very spiritual in the United States. I would like to see them more religious in meaning that they would ascribe to some kind of a religious tradition, because then I think that challenges you, right? I mean, uh, even as a Catholic priest, I challenge things that um, people sometimes bring forth as, well, not so much doctrinal, but just their own opinions about the church. But it challenges me, and that helps me grow. And my fear, especially when I see this in my students, is that without that challenge, there's nothing for them to grow. I mean, they, they just kind of flounder. And, you you know, it's real hard, I think, in today's social, social media-driven world to be a uh, hardened skeptic about anything and to, to have allegiance to anything, and that really uh, disturbs me. So, you know, the analogy of the burning of the church does have, uh, I think, uh, powerful connotations. But but again, historically, there's been ebbs and flows, you know. And I mean, you think the revolution in, in Paris destroyed, almost destroyed Notre Dame, you know, and it rebuilt and came back. And, uh, you know, so those things happen. Um, but it is relevant, I think, yeah. to today's world. Yeah. Okay. Reverend Gerald Toussaint, pastor of... Mount Pleasant Baptist Church in St. Landry Parish. Thank you very much for being here with us on Detroit Today, and good luck with the rebuild of your church. I think we may have lost uh, Reverend Toussaint, uh, but also Father Gilbert Sangero. It was really great to have you here from U of D Mercy. Thank you. Yeah, thanks very much for the conversation. All right, up next, we're going to talk more about sacred spaces. We're going to talk about the destruction of another kind of building, an historic log cabin right here in Detroit that was demolished by the Detroit Land Bank. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number. Tell us about the sacred spaces you feel connected to either here in Detroit or around the world. Uh, Also, don't forget, if you have to miss any of today's show, you don't have to miss it on the conversation. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts, download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you and listen when you are ready. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Thank you.